But if you're going to go through it, get the story out of it. Become the healer. Get the superpower that you are supposed to get in that process and set somebody else free so that it's not wasted experience. Welcome to the Fierce Authenticity Podcast, where we're illuminating and dismantling all of the ways supremacy culture has impacted our relationships with ourselves, with source, and with others. Not just the overt ways, like racism, sexism, ageism, alcoholism, and all the other isms, but also the sneaky, cunning ways you wouldn't have thought of, like perfectionism, imposter syndrome, judgment, burnout, the not enoughs, and the hustle to achieve. I'm your hostess, Sharani M. Batuk, and I'm a relationship therapist, leadership development consultant, and author of the book series, Fierce Authenticity. Whether you're a returning listener or you're new here, I want to extend a very warm welcome to you and invite you to connect with me through the Fierce Authenticity newsletter community. If you're ready to rise above an inherited systematic invasion rooted in fear and lack so that you can calm and refocus those energies towards reclaiming a fiercely authentic personal relationship grounded in an abundance and love that is so radiant all your other relationships are elevated with you, then this is the space for you. I invite you to visit www.fierceauthenticity.com slash connect to join me. I'm so excited that you're here. And now let's dive in. Welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited to introduce you to our first guest to kick us off for 2022. First of all, can you guys believe that it's already January 2022? How did this happen? How did we get here? I swear, time is just flying by so, so, so fast. It's like warp speed. Anyhow, today's guest is a woman that I am so excited to introduce you to. This is one of my sisters from Patrice Washington's uh, Command the Stage program that I've shared with you about. And This is the woman who planted the seed in my mind that the framework that I had been speaking about on the podcast was actually a book. We were on a one-to-one call for homework in the class just to help each other strengthen our messages and what is it that we're trying to get out in the world. And we're on a video chat and she saw the original first book behind me because I keep it behind me in all of my video cameos, we'll just say. It is in the background of all of my video work that I do. And she saw Fierce Authenticity back there and she says, Sharani, what you are talking about is another book. And I said to her, Sharika, I just don't understand how it's possible that this is another book. Like, you're saying that this is another book, that this is like an actual framework. And she says to me, Sharani, your framework is slow down, befriend your nervous system, course correct, 
all of the things that I had said in my speech or in my keynote that we were going over, she said, that is your framework. And those are also chapters in a book. And so this woman truly has such a special place in my heart. And I really wanted to share that introduction and pay homage to her and acknowledge that it is partially actually largely because of this woman that I am about to introduce you to, that Fierce Authenticity Volume 2, Supremacy's Impact on Our Relationships, is even in form today. It was shortly after that conversation with her and continuing to move through it that I realized, oh my gosh, she is so right. This is a whole book, a whole framework. And it was after that that I, I got the divine download that, yes, this is a book that I will be writing. And it was totally written in a matter of months from this conception to searching for an editor, to getting the outline solid, to writing the book, to submitting it back to my editor so that she could get in. Now, she and I are still in the process of getting this prepared. If you've been following with the podcast, then you know that I was guided to actually submit this book for traditional publishing. I did not want to. I was going to self-publish it, and it was going to be out last month in December of 2021, and God had other plans for me. So being that obedience is still my word, and it was my word in 2021, I followed through. I did not want to submit to a traditional publisher, wanted to do it my way, wanted to have control over all of the outcomes, and God said, no. (laughs) God said, you are submitting this, and here's the publisher that you are submitting it to. So we are in that process, and like I said, the woman that I am about to introduce you to has such a tremendous role in the conception of my second book that is forthcoming. So with all of that said, let me introduce you to Sharika Chu. Sharika is a prayer counselor, inner healing coach, and transformational speaker. She's co-host of the In Between podcast and founder of Well Ministries. She helps men and women of faith address unchecked heart wounds that have the potential to completely derail their purpose. And this, you guys, is why I connected with her so strongly. She and I are truly parallel in the work that we're doing in the world and how we are helping people to really heal their hearts so that they can stay in alignment with who they are and who God wants them to be. Now, back to her bio. She does this through her blog, quarterly seminars, and one-on-one coaching. Sharika is a recent divorcee and mother of three adult children. Her experiences as a teen, wife, and mother lend her expertise as a relationship coach. She firmly believes that many of the relational issues we have experienced are based in our personal inability to process our own emotions, feelings, and trauma responses and can be overcome through the power of intentional trust. You guys, are you hearing how in alignment she is with what we do here. 
So Sharika has designed a four-step process called the HEAL method, H-E-A-L, and she and I are actually going to talk about that in today's episode. So she has designed this four-step process called the HEAL method, and that is outlined in her upcoming prayer journal that she is working on publishing. This is a guide designed to provide its readers daily support and all of the tools needed to process traumatic experiences and subsequent emotions through prayer and intentionality. And with that, enjoy this episode. Sharika, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to have you here As I've already shared with listeners, when we connected, I just knew I needed to invite you on the podcast as a guest, and I'm so happy that you said yes, because the topic that you speak about is so incredibly important to the work that we do here on the Fierce Authenticity podcast, and to what I'm about and what I'm doing. And just it felt like such an alignment when we connected in Patrice's program to practice our speeches with one another, you know, to practice telling our stories with one another. And so I'm really grateful to have you here today to share with us your story and your practice of fierce authenticity in a way. Can you tell us a little bit more about you, just introducing you to our listeners? Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much, first of all, for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I absolutely felt it the same way, this connection with you, um, with this understanding of who you are, who I am. And even the idea of fierce authenticity is like, I mean, it literally is the heart work of that. And so I really definitely appreciate it. So I am Sharika Chu. I am the founder of Well Ministries, and I am also the co-host of the In Between podcast. And I help men and women of faith to address unchecked heart wounds that have the potential to derail their purposes. I do this through um, prayer counseling ministry and seminars, helping people walk through the understanding of what is causing you to be off track from understanding who you are and walking in that. And, you know, of course, we all come to our purpose because of our own sidetracks. I was not always walking in my own authenticity, of course. I grew up in a household with young parents who did the best they could with the tools they had, but it was a really rough situation. My parents were definitely involved in a lot of domestic violence, and that caused a lot of brokenness in my heart and um, not understanding how to be myself um, in that space. And so I grew up with that brokenness, but never really dealt with it until I became an adult. And I started to see that stuff kind of come out of me because if you don't deal with that stuff, it comes out sideways. And until I got my own family, my own husband, my own kids, that I start to see that really come out. And it was the, the way my marriage dissolved that caused me to see this is dangerous. And this stuff needs to be dealt with. Um, so as I'm coming on my own healing journey, that is how I birthed this ministry of mine to 
start doing this work. And so I'm really passionate about helping people to see why they're here and being able to walk those things out. So I'm, again, very excited to be here with you today to have this conversation. Yes. And I just, first of all, want to say, wow, you already took us so deep, so fast. And that's what I love about all the guests that I invite on the podcast is everyone just takes us boom right there. And there's so much juiciness in what you shared already. And I have to let our listeners know that when Fierce Authenticity 2.0, my next book comes out, Sharika had a hand in helping make that possible because of her, just the passion that she felt towards the Fierce Authenticity. And she actually helped me with some of those chapters and those chapter headings. All right, y'all. So this is the woman who helped bring that book into form and helped me start to really think about it in a different way, which I think really comes to what you said. And and what I noticed, there was kind of two things that I noticed. It was what you said was about heart wounds, which we definitely got to talk about heart wounds and how those come out sideways. And then we also, you talked about getting off track. And I would love for us to start with getting off track. What does that even mean? What does that look like? How do we know when we're off track? I think the first thing I hear when you say that is one, there is a track. Each of us has our own. And I think we're born with it. There's a track we're supposed to follow a, a way we're supposed to go. And things happen in our lives that cause us to knock us off that track. Either we don't believe in ourselves, other people don't believe in us. We don't know that it's there. We feel like we have no purpose and we find ourselves kind of drifting off what our actual purpose should be. And we're and, and I feel like true joy happens when you're on the track that you were created for. And that's when you start to really walk out your purpose and understanding who you are. True joy happens. Yeah. When you are on the track. Yeah. I'm totally butchering it right now, but like that was meant for you. Can you say that again for us, please, Sharika? (laughs) Yeah, I I really, truly believe that true joy happens when you're on the track you were designed for. So we get discontentment because we're just not in the right place. We're just not where we're supposed to be. We're trying to make something happen. Mm, Yes. And I cannot tell you how many times I have forced my will, tried to make things happen. I have whole podcast episodes about forcing my will and trying to make things happen when I'm off track. And it's important that we recognize that, you know, and for me, I know that it's about feeling, learning to discern in my body what feels like force and what feels like flow. Yes. And not allowing other people to determine what the flow should be for you. Yes. (laughs) Yes, because everyone, bless them, they all want our best interest, right? Based on their conditioning and what they've been taught. And so they believe a certain way for us. So as you know, Sharika, my podcast is really here to help illuminate and dismantle supremacy's impact on our relationships with source self and others. So when I just think of how my parents, when I started my business, they told me, that's great, but make sure you keep your full-time job. That's what's paying the bills. That's what's giving you your health insurance, all this other stuff. And now as someone who has a background in community mental health, it was such a toxic environment. I couldn't do it. And when I made the decision, well, the decision was made between me and God. And when I got that go from God, I mean, God said the night where I was so desperately like, this is the last night of this soul searching trip. God, you haven't spoke to me yet. What is the answer? And God said, jump. 
and the net will appear. Oh, I get goosebumps when I say that right now. And when I announced this to my family, they were like, no, 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 no. I see you nodding your head. If only listeners could see you nodding your head in agreement. It was no, no, no. You can't do that. And that's the conditioning that they learned based on what they experienced as brown people who were indentured servants and indentured laborers, right, due to colonization and all that stuff. That's what got passed down, and that's their stuff. And it really, for a while, held me back from being on track with what God had for me. So I think this brings to that question, what are those things that lead us off track? I think that just mentioning as brown people, we tend to feel like we need someone to tell us. Just history has done that to us, you know, tell us which way to go, how to behave, how to look, how to fit into what society, quote unquote, is. And so you can't fault our grandparents for the conditioning that they mm-hmm. have and, or the fear that they have when we decide we're breaking free of this and we're just going to explore who we are and how we feel. But I do feel like that there are other cultures that have a privilege. Their children, even at the youngest of ages, have the privilege of exploration, of trying to figure things out on their own. And that's something that we have not always passed down in generations to say, Sharani, who do you feel like you are? That's not a thing that we necessarily get in school. So you don't realize that you're building a track, that you're on a track. You don't know that. You just don't even know to look for it because you're not taught to do that. Yes. And when you talk about our grandparents and how it's not really their fault, this is just the conditioning, what was taught to them in order to be able to survive and fit into a society not made for them, right? I just have to say to you, I so powerfully, when you said breaking free from that, I just feel you and your ancestors just, oof, as you're breaking free from that, you know? So I just want to name that and reflect that back to you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, it's like we have to break out and scary, but there is a freedom that happens for our entire families when we do that. It just opens up. And I watch my children now and there's a difference in how they think and what they do because generations before me and because of what I'm stepping out into today, I just imagine what my grandchildren will step into. It's it's beautiful. And that is the world that we are trying to create. And that's a part of my service that I bring through this podcast, you know, is what is that world that we are creating for our future generations and healing When we do the work, and it's so scary for us to do the work, but when we do the work, we truly heal our legacy. We heal those who came before us. We heal those who came after us. Like, I truly believe that. I truly feel that. And I have seen that in my own life, in my own family. But that's a story for another day. For today, it sounds like some of what takes us off track is the conditioning that's been passed down to us. Right. The conditioning and how we deal with our hearts. We all have issues. We all are hurt on some level or they're um, traumatic things that happen to each of us, some bigger, some smaller, but we all have those things. And if we don't recognize one, that our hearts are wounded, we won't deal with them. And two, sometimes we're taught not to, you know, to just keep moving, pick up yourself and just go and just keep moving and not deal with it. And I like to liken it to, if you were to break your leg today, That could be a minor thing and could be easily fixed. But if we don't deal with it, it just gets worse. 
And before long, you won't be able to walk. And if you're trying to push through a broken leg, you're going to cause additional issues down the line for you. So it's definitely the conditioning of society, but it's also the way we care for ourselves and take the time to, and I guess that it does come from society as well. Like, do we feel like we deserve to stop for a minute and say, I'm hurting, this hurts, and I need to deal with the pain that I have. Sometimes we just don't give ourselves that grace to do that. Yes. Do we feel like we can stop for a minute and just acknowledge this? Yeah. I just want to pause right there because I feel that in my body. I feel that, you know, that one of the things that has been taught is no, no, we don't get a minute to stop and feel into that. So that's a really powerful question. Yeah. And I I think we feel guilty sometimes, you know? So the method that I have created for my ministry is that the first step of that is to honor your emotions, right or wrong. They're yours. You honor them just the same way I would for my three-year-old. Three-year-olds have emotions that are irrational on a regular basis. They fall out and cry about the craziest things and it makes absolutely no sense. But as a mother, you take a moment and sit with your three-year-old, even if it's just on the fact that I've dropped my ice cream cone. It's not the end of the world, but she feels like it's the end of the world. You sit in that. Now, we don't raise them to continue to cry for weeks and weeks over an ice cream cone, but you still sit in it with them for a moment. And I feel like we don't always give ourselves the grace to say, Whether this thing should have made me sad or should have made me angry is irrelevant. The point is I'm sad or I'm angry and I need to honor that emotion. And then you examine your heart. Should I be feeling this way? Why am I feeling this way? But for a moment, before we get to that, just honor the fact that you feel that way. Because a lot of times we hold on to our wounds because we feel like no one cares. So I'm going to be the one to care for me. If nobody else is going to care, I'm going to hold this. I'm going to nurse it. And we live in it too long because we think no one cares. Oh, my goodness. Sharika, you are on fire. A lot of times we hold on to our wounds because we don't think anyone else cares. Wow. And you just said so much right there. I just need to let it all sink in because there were so many important parts that you mentioned, right? One is the first part of your HEAL method. So in a moment, I would love for you to share with us what the acronym HEAL stands for, because I know that is your framework for how we get through this. And the other thing I think of is just that story you told, that three-year-old that is so powerful and what a real example, right? As a grown-up, we're like, okay, yeah, whatever, your ice cream cone fell. But as a parent whose responsibility it is to be there for our children and to teach them and to be their brain until they have developed their own brains, right? (sighs) It is to get on that floor with them and sit and look at that ice cream on the floor and feel sad with them that their ice cream fell on the floor and now it's gone, right? And that is just such a real life example of how this works. And it also makes me think of the science that we now know about our feelings. And really, it does not take a long time for us to move through emotions. Like, And, and there's this phrase that emotions are simply energy in motion. Mm, that's good. Yeah. And that we just have to allow ourselves 
to pause and let the cycle complete. Like let yourself fully feel whatever feeling it is. And I can't recall the exact numbers. It's like 60 or 90 seconds is really how long it takes for us. Like that's what the science is saying for us to feel that feeling and for that cycle to complete itself. And so if we literally honor our emotions and really fully be present with them, it doesn't get stuck. Because what you said is also that a lot of times we hold on to our wounds because we think nobody cares, right? And when nobody sits on that floor with us and mourns the fact that the ice cream fell and it's not here anymore with us, then we feel nobody cares. It gets stuck. Those emotions don't have the opportunity to complete their 60 to 90 second cycle. And they become years. That cycle becomes years when it could have been minutes. And I just feel like allowing yourself to sit in it is allows you to think a minute and really like process it and not necessarily just nurse it. Like if we go back to your broken leg, you can't just lay there and expect that it's going to heal. That doesn't work. <laughs> you have to deal with, it gives your child or your three-year-old a moment to say, okay, the ice cream is gone. How do we move from here? If you deal with it in the moment. And you bring up something so important, which I think is what brings us to the E of your heal method, which is the importance of honoring, acknowledging, being present with it, allowing it to complete its cycle, allowing the feeling to be seen, heard, felt, experienced, but not coddling. Yes, absolutely not coddling. (laughs) Not coddling it. Because when we do that, like you said, also is then it stays with us a lot longer than it needs to. It makes it worse. And so, yes, let me just give you the method. Yes, please. (laughs) The HEAL method is an acronym for HEAL, the honor your emotions, because believe it or not, God does care. We're taught to believe maybe he doesn't. He just wants us to get up and do the right thing and keep moving. He doesn't care about how we feel, but he does care and he has a plan. And he's willing to be there with you with your melting ice cream cone, as small as it may seem. He loves you and will sit with you in that. The E is examine your heart. What does your heart and your feelings say right now about how you really see God? If you're not willing to sit with him, if you're not willing to talk to him, you probably don't trust him. There's something going on that is keeping you from trusting. There is something that has happened to you that makes his character not line up with who he really is. And so that's what we're looking for. That's what we're trying to find. Whatever that lie is, We're looking for that. And then align your thinking. Now, this is a choice, right? (laughs) You've been living your whole life with this lie that makes you feel safe. So now you have a choice. Let's just say God is saying, I care. My experiences say it's no way possible he could because I've been through too much. It's just not possible. This is the moment I say, you know what? I'm going to trust and I'm going to choose to believe that you're telling me the truth. And I align my thinking with the truth of what he is promising or saying to me. And then the L is the hardest one. We lean on him and nothing else. That is, I know from experience, the hardest thing to do. When you've grown up in a place that it feels unsafe all the time, you learn early to depend on you and you only because no one is keeping me safe. No one knows my tears. My mom and dad are too wrapped up in each other's fights to see I'm crying. 
So I'm going to take care of me. And deep down, you can say you love God or you obey God, but part of you feels like you gave me this family. So why would I trust you? And the lean is the hardest part. But when I've learned from experience that when I do lean on him, then all that other stuff starts to make sense. And every time now that I run into something that hurts, I know that God wants to sit with me. And he not only wants me to honor my emotions, he honors them. He honors them. And there's healing in that because then I know I'm not alone and I can rest. I'm not tired always trying to be superwoman because I can depend. That's probably longer than it, (laughs) but that's what it breaks down to be. Again, wow, I need to take a moment and let that all sink in because, again, you said so many important and valuable things that when we live, and and I was thinking a little bit about my story, and I've shared my story on the podcast, I've shared my story on social media, just growing up with so many experiences that led me to believe that God does not care because if God cared about me, God wouldn't have let these things happen to me. And God, if God really cared, God wouldn't let these things happen to other children. And God wouldn't let these things happen in other families and all of that. And so I can attest that that is the hardest, absolute hardest part of the process. And it took me years and years it took me over a decade to really get into that place where I, I like a decade of actively working right to get into that place where I could surrender and lean in and trust and I just love the the imagery you shared of like God really does care and God wants to sit with you God wants to sit with me and God wants to hold me as I'm having these feelings and these experiences I'm that three-year-old with the ice cream cone and God wants to just be there to take care of me and hold me and hold those feelings. And that's just so, so beautiful, such a beautiful image. And then, of course, because I am who I am, I have to bring in this piece of, you know, how you talked about when we grow up and, and we don't feel safe, like there's a sense of not feeling safe. And the reality is, and you know this, Sharika, as black and brown and other bodies of culture, the reality is that we still live in not being safe, right? And definitely black bodies more so than some of the others, but it's there. Um, Even when you look at all the anti-Asian hate that's been happening. So like all bodies of culture experience this fear of what's going to happen And so it's not just contained to our home. You know, it happens out there too. And so I know a lot for me has been leaning into and knowing that God did not create all the awful things that happen here. God did not create these systems and these structures. God did not create this fear. That is not of God because to me, God is unconditional love. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And he has other plans, you know, we just assume that if it's happening, that it's a part of his plan. Um, But believe it or not, he has other plans and it just takes our surrender to those plans in order to see them, in order to walk through them. And when you said it's an active work of years of active work, um, 
I so relate to that. Um, and that's why I'm working on a journal, a heel journal for day to day walking through the method, because it would be easy to say, oh, you do, you honor your emotions and you get to the lean on him and, you know, you're going to be great. <laughs> it's a daily situation. And sometimes the heel method takes me, you know, seven minutes to do because I'm just feeling angry with a coworker and I need to breathe this out. Um, but sometimes it is, oh, this is going to be a week or two of me dealing with honoring this one emotion because it's a huge traumatic event happened to you. It, and it doesn't just happen overnight. It doesn't just happen where we go through this H-E-A-L and, oh, I'm healed now. <laughs> it's going to be a process. And there are things that I've walked through that I can say, I have experienced healing from, and there are things that I'm healing now um, and going through. And you feel it. I mean, it's real. It's like surgery. Surgery is healing, um, mm-hmm. but it hurts. <laughs> and there's recovery time, and it's not fun. And no one just signs up for surgery just for the sake of having a surgery, um, <laughs> you know? Right. It's not something fun to do. Like, I think I'm going to sign up for surgery today. Just because it's Thursday, I have nothing else to do. That's not how that works. But it's necessary and it takes us to greater joy in the end. Yeah. And it's so interesting that you bring up this surgery. I don't think I've shared this on the podcast, but one of the images that I often get is literally of the divine surgeon coming in and helping me heal, like operating on me and helping me heal those those wounds, like that divine physician coming in to help me. And, um, and one of the things that you just said, oh, it's escaping me for this moment, but let's just stay with this image then, just that divine physician. Yeah. And I mean, he is so intentional. You know, if you're going to have a surgery, you want and a very experienced surgeon who knows yes. what he's doing <laughs> and who wants to see you whole, completely whole. And so, you know, if if I went to the doctor today and I'm feeling okay, and he says, oh, Shriek, I'm seeing something that's not really okay, and it's going to be an issue down the line. And in order to deal with it, we have to have a surgery. If I feel fine, I'm going to want to say no. Why would I do that? Because the pain that comes with you cutting me open to get to this potential pain feels unnecessary, but it's very, very necessary. And sometimes we're dealing with emotions that we feel like we can keep under wraps. It's okay. Yeah, I'm a little bitter, but I'm functioning in my bitterness. I'm fine. And it's not fine. It's not. That bitterness comes from something. Um, There's a root there. And when we're dealing with our heart wounds, if we find the root, if we find, I'm sorry, if we find the fruit, we'll trace ourselves back to the root of that. And we can stop that fruit from growing. We can stop that bitterness from cycling over and over and passing down to our children and be free from that. I love that. If we find the fruit, we can find the root and then we can heal that. And then exactly what you just said, I was thinking of. And then we can heal it and we don't have to pass it on to our children because that bitterness, it comes out sideways towards our kids. You know, I talk about this a lot in my first book, Fierce Authenticity, Show Up, Be Seen, Get Love, which is about that, like how when we're not handling what we need to handle for ourselves, 
It comes out sideways at our children, at our spouses, at our colleagues, at our team members, right? And then that's like that energy that just continues to go forth until someone who is healed enough that says, I'm not taking on this bitterness. I can give this bitterness to God, right? Like I can give this bitterness to the divine physician for it to be transformed. And I remembered the thing I was going to say when you were talking about HEAL and the, the HEAL journal that you are working on that will be coming out soon is that just like fierce authenticity, I call it a practice. Like HEAL is a practice. It's not a one and done. It is ongoing, right? Because there's always going to be different situations that come up that, that invite us inwards and into the process. Yes, And it might look like a curse in the moment. And really, it's an invitation for us to go in and and look at and heal another piece of our hurt, another part of our heart wound. Yeah, I love that. Invite us. And I love that because I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes I catch myself saying, oh, God is dragging me. dragging me through this entire process but there that is an invitation to another level of you like I'm trying to unveil who you really are and this is in the way of you seeing who you really are it's like a butterfly I'm sure when he's in the cocoon he's not happy he doesn't understand it's confusing (laughs) but that's how he gets to the level the next level is to go through that process and to be invited into that process and I personally I mean growing up you know my biggest thing was my dad is not taking care of my mom he does not take care of us I don't trust that there are good men who will take care of you. And I took that into my marriage. And even though my husband was good to us, I had that blocking me from trusting his goodness to be real. Um, is this temporary? Will this last? All of the things I brought that into my relationship. Um, and because I didn't trust God to give me what I thought I needed, I found myself looking for it in other places. Um, and when it was time to heal from those things, I didn't want to do the surgery. I didn't want to do the work. I just, I didn't trust God to want to do that. What made me lean in is because I had daughters and I thought about that. I thought about that. What am I leaving for them? How are they going to handle this hurt? Who will they be? And then it became more important to me to go through the surgery for them, because I want them to be healthy, whole, independent women who can not only take care of themselves, but can receive from other people who are legitimately trying to love them well. Yes. Oh, my goodness. And I love that you went there. And it's something that we've spoken about here and there, but you just named it outright, which is healing doing that spiritual surgery, letting the divine physician work on you so that you can create a new legacy. For you, it was your daughters. It was seeing them and recognizing what you were doing and what you wanted to pass on, right? And and what Fierce Authenticity 2.0 is about is creating a new legacy. It is about, it for me, how heart work plus somatic work equals a new legacy and how we do it in that spiritual container. And what I just heard you say very much was that 
you stopped, something happened, a divine intercession happened where you had an opportunity to stop and say, what legacy do I want to pass to my daughters? And I appreciate also the way you shared with us what the heart wound does to us. So tell us a little bit more, because you mentioned the block that it puts. Just tell us more. I'm going to let you tell us. So it's hard to see when you're hurting. It blinds you. So you see things partially, you know, and someone could really, really love you, but you don't trust the love Mm. because you can't see it. (laughs) And so you can't receive it. And it becomes really hard to have healthy relationships when you are blinded by hurt. And I know that from experience. Um, My husband and I were together 15 years before we split, before I found myself actually in another, in an affair with a best friend of mine, because I thought he could take care of me in a way that God was not going to allow anyone else to take care of me (laughs) in a way that my husband didn't know how to take care of me. And not realizing that going into that relationship in the moment felt like taking care of Sharika because no one else is going to was really perpetuating the hurt that I grew up in onto my children. I mean, legitimately did not see it. I mean, I know it sounds crazy. And unless you've been in it, unless you're going through it, it will sound like an excuse. But when you're in it, you literally cannot see All you see is I'm hurting. I'm missing this thing that feels like life and breath to me. The thing, the one thing I really, really want, God won't give to me. I'll just have to get it myself. And that's all you see. And it just blinds you. When your eyes are open, finally, then you're like, sheesh, how did I get here? What did I do? And that was the moment when my eyes are open that I'm like, oh my gosh, not only did I set myself up to do now even more surgery because I'm walking on this broken leg for four years. Um, Now I have to have corrective surgery for this leg, quote unquote, but now I have to deal with this effect on my children. And how do I keep that from being passed down to my grandchildren and my great grandchildren? What work do I have to do in me to try to set this right? And this is where your heal method comes in. And it's so powerful and so strong because like you're talking about, we walk around with that block and girl, let me tell you, (laughs) you're talking about looking in him, what you felt like you felt God couldn't take care of you, but this other human could, right? This other man could. And I cannot even tell you, I'm in 12-step recovery. And one of the things they talk about is filling a God-shaped hole with other things people, places, achievements, things outside of us, right? And I know part of my story is I used to always make a him my higher power. And that him was not the divine he. Although I'm debating, I think my higher power is non-binary, no, both, whatever. I don't know the correct pronoun, but my higher power definitely is both male and female energies. But I was filling it with all these people that I thought could give me. So I just can really resonate and relate to your story about feeling that God wouldn't take care of you. God wasn't giving it to you because if God was caring, then you wouldn't experience these things. Right. And so since God doesn't care, I'm going to go over here. Yeah. But in going over there, I cause a lot of wreckage. Yes. It gets worse. And I talk to a lot of 
married couples and a lot of people going into marriage, women who are struggling in their marriages because of my story, right? But it fits anywhere. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be your marriage. Whatever the thing is, you know, the people grow up poor, they feel like God won't provide Mm -hmm. and then they become greedy when they get their jobs and then the job is everything. And I work 60 hours a week and I never see my children and I never see my, my wife because I have to provide for myself. It doesn't have to be this thing. It's the one thing you think you don't have, you feel you have to go get in your own power and you don't surrender. And you're working out of a wound, a childhood wound. You're as a 50 year old man, living out the fear of a six-year-old boy because you never dealt with the fact that you felt unprovided for as a child. You never dealt with that. And so that's the work I try to do is help people see, do you see how you're doing that? How you're, you're living this out and it's affecting your wife and your children. Is money that important? People don't see it until you point it out. Wow, the way you phrased it. And I'm going to change their gender to female because a lot of our listeners are women. But as a 50-year-old woman, you said it so much better, but really you're trying to get what the six-year-old needed as a 50-year-old. However you said it, Sharika, was amazing. Can you say that for us again? Yeah, I mean, at 40 years old, I would find myself walking out of the fear of my six-year-old self out of what I felt like I did not receive as a child. And actually, at one point when I was going through my own healing process and I was going through counseling, God took me back in a vision of my balled up little self, little balled up six-year-old self in a corner, in a dark corner of a basement. I could see myself. And as an adult, I'm standing at the top of the stairs looking down at this little girl. And I am miserable that God allowed her to stay in that corner like that all that time. Her mom left her there. Her dad left her there. And I felt like God was like, and as an adult, you're leaving her there. You have the ability to tell her that, guess what, little Sharika, we are cared for. We are loved. We can come out of this corner. You can get up and walk away from this. And when I never really understood God's love until I, until I had that affair, which for me felt like the worst thing I've ever done. And no one was there but me and God. He was the only one still there, still sitting there with me in my melting ice cream cone. And he's just like, is this where you want to be? No judgment, no guilt. Is this really where you wanted to go? And when I could see again, I realized this is not the path I was trying to take. This is not the track I was designed for. This is not where I was trying to go. And I realized all of this happened because I did not deal with the fact that I felt like you didn't care about me, you weren't there. And so now whenever those feelings come up, I honor those emotions, I think about it for a minute. Do you really believe, if you can look at everything else in your life, because we get fixated on the one thing, but if you look at all the other things, can you truly say that God has never cared, he's not there, he's forsaking you? And usually you cannot say that. And then I can function out of that place of wholeness and not fear. And I love that because that's why you say in your H that that honoring is a part of that is God does care. Yeah. And he has a plan because that sense of loneliness and that sense of just being so alone. And I can really picture you there because I have similar moments in my own life, you know, and a lot of times for me, it is that abandonment of where were you to leave this 
young, innocent, defenseless child on her own. Where were you? Well, and where they were, were under the conditioning of supremacy and under the conditioning of generations of having to work hard and just leave your kids with the next available adult. And it just feels so lonely, but I see you. It's so interesting. I could see you there. I could see you, the three-year-old, with your ice cream. I can see you, the grown-up. And right next to you, I can also see God. But we don't see that when we're kids. Like when a lot of this heart wounding happens, we don't see that. And I know even for myself, when as I have been healing and I actively engage in my process and my practices, I can see that God was there the whole time. And one of the things that I've really had to, at first when people used to tell me this, I'd be like, that's a bunch of crap. I don't freaking care, like whatever, about the fact that we go through what we go through because that is a part of our medicine. One of my superpowers actually is being able to see when someone has experienced trauma and in particular sexual trauma and early childhood trauma. Well, how do I know that? Because I know what that looks like. I know what it feels like. It's like I can see in them and I know, God, I'm a healer. You know, that's what I do in my brick and mortar. I'm a, I'm a relationship therapist. And I also do consulting with corporate and, you know, trauma-informed DEI and stuff like that. And I can see it. And that's the gift to know that it happened so I could walk others through how to heal that, how to reconnect, how to get back in touch because... I truly believe it's supremacy's conditioning that has led us to disconnect with a God of our understanding. Absolutely. When you can see that is why you walk these things out, then you can kind of give your parents grace to understand how they walk those things out and how, you know, you may have felt alone, but how your mom probably was blinded by her hurt. And that's why she couldn't see you. And that's why you were alone. And it kind of gives you a little bit of freedom to understand. And I like the way you said, where were you? And how could you leave this child? And that sounds disrespectful, right? And we try not to say those things, but that is a very important question. And I encourage people all the time, ask God, where were you when this happened? And believe it or not, he has answers for those questions. The problem is we don't normally ask. We're afraid <laughs> to ask him. We don't really want to know. We don't want him to say the wrong answer. We don't want to have to cut him out of our lives. You know, if he says the wrong thing, then I have to cut him out. And what else do I have? But he has an answer for those questions. And if we just take the time to say, where were you? What did it look like from your perspective? What was your plan at that time? And now you're a healer. You're walking these things out because of the things that happened to you. And I tell people all the time, if you're going to go through it, which we all will, mm-hmm. if you live on earth, 100% of us are going through it. <laughs> There's no getting around it. But if you're going to go through it, get the story out of it. Become the healer. Get the superpower that you are supposed to get in that process. And set somebody else free so that it's not wasted experience. Ooh, so that it is not wasted experience. Because we think all of this is in vain, right? Like, oh, all this stuff happened and there's no real reason for it. But when we can heal through it, when we can get to that gem, 
we can. And I'll just share this part of my story right here. It was not until earlier this year in 2021 that I finally got to that place of being able to truly, truly see and feel in my entire body what you just said about the fact that not only were my parents blind to it because of their own pain and their own conditioning, but my grandparents were blind because of their own conditioning and the ways that they did what they did to protect the perpetrator and blame the child, right? Like there's so many dynamics there and I still could not let go of the anger and resentment I felt towards the perpetrator. And then I realized I've been doing a lot of work with Milagros Phillips and learning and unlearning and healing with her. And I've been going through a course in miracles this year and I've kept on top of every lesson. And I finally felt in my heart and in my body, like I could really see it. Like I knew it on an intellectual level, hurt people, hurt people, right? Traumatized people, traumatized people. But I could finally see, wow, all of these people were so numb and so blind because of what supremacy's conditioning has done. And from there, that's when it landed in my heart and I could feel some softness for that person. I actually was like, and bless you in heaven, wherever you might be now, because he passed away years ago. But it wasn't until earlier this year that I was finally able to go there. And to feel it in my body and to feel it in my heart. And then coming back to that gift, which it was through all that, like there was a period of two months, actually the two months that we were in the Command the Stage program with Patrice that I was doing all of this healing. That's when it realized like, wow, my gift, my purpose, my role is to help illuminate how all of the pain and the hurt that we feel has its roots back in supremacy culture. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm still, I'm learning every day from you to hear you say that, like, you know, you walk these things out and you feel them happening, but you don't realize, oh gosh, this is the root of that. You know, that, that made me feel less than that made me come into the room with my head tucked down a little bit because I feel I'm not supposed to be on a level you're on. I'm less than you. My mom was less than your mom. That type of ingrained understanding of who we are is something that I'm learning from you every day. As you're talking, I'm like, wow, like, because you live it out and not realize it, what's happening. It just becomes a part of your culture. Yes. And then we perpetuate it. That heart wound stays with me and it gets passed down and then it impacts everybody. And it really comes back to what you were saying, learning to trust. And so Before we go today, I would love to hear you share with us more about trust and how can we even start that process? Because for so many of us, that breach of trust because of all the pain we see in the world, even current events, I mean, turn on any news media and it will, I mean, that's a whole other story about what the media (laughs) amplifies, but just look at how there's a lot one could say there's a lot of reasons to not trust. Absolutely. And I think you kind of um, touched on it when you were saying you softened to the perpetrator when you realized how that could have happened to them as well. Mm-hmm. And there's a power in forgiveness that we underestimate on a regular basis. Trust is birthed in forgiveness. We have to forgive ourselves 
for what we think we did or didn't do. We have to forgive God. And as hard as it feels, we have to forgive the perpetrator in order for us to really trust that it's safe to be myself because then I can separate the thing that happened to me from me. I don't have to internalize that. It's not a part of my DNA. It's a thing that happened to me based on something that happened to you, but it's not who I am. And I can trust God. I can trust me. I can trust other men. I can trust other women because not everyone is the same. But until we get to that point of forgiving, real trust doesn't really happen. I had to write down every single word that you just said, Sharika. <laughs> trust is birthed in forgiveness. Yeah. We have to forgive ourselves. We have to forgive God. We have to forgive the perpetrator. Yeah. And then we have to learn it is safe to be ourselves. Wow. It feels scary. I'm still learning it. I'm sure you're still learning it. We may always be learning it. Every single day. <laughs> and every day I meet a new version of me. I grow into more of myself and more of me is unveiled. And I trust her more every day. It's always a process. But I've learned that I have to forgive myself for the yesterday's me, the things I did with the tools I had. And the understanding that I had, um, I have to let go and grow into what God is calling me to do and to be able to walk that track that it was designed for me. Oh, my gosh. This feels like a beautiful spot for us to start closing out our conversation. And I do want to reflect back one thing, though, because what I heard you say is that a part, a big part of that trust process is learning to trust ourselves. And it's almost like in tandem, as we're learning to trust ourselves, we're learning to trust God. And I know that's definitely true for me. Um, and if I'm hearing you correctly, it sounds like that's what I heard you say with the trust piece. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to, to say which one goes first. I mean, it feels like <laughs> it kind of ebbs and flows with each other because I don't really know me. God is introducing me to me on a regular basis. <laughs> he knows me better than I know me. But as I trust what he says about me, then I can trust me. And as I trust me, then I can be what he says about me. So it becomes this cycle of one feeding into the other all the time. God, I just love that. I don't really know me. God is introducing me to me. Every day, in every moment, in every situation, and that's the gift that we get to experience when we heal yeah. by honoring, by examining, yes. by aligning, and then leaning in. Yes. Yes. Oh, Sharika. Beautiful. Again, thank you for joining us and sharing your wisdom and sharing your medicine. And before we close out, is there anything else that feels like it wants to be said? Like, does God have any more messages that want to come through you for us today? There's just something about that when I look at your book, even behind you right now, you know, our audience can't see. Leaning into who we authentically are is the whole reason we're here this is the entire reason that we're here and the way you are 
shining as you gives me permission to shine as me. And we pass that on to other people. But the word fierce is what really gets me. It's like, okay, we can lean into just being ourselves or we can fiercely pursue who we are and what we're supposed to be. And I think that that is the goal. And the only thing that stops us from doing it is not allowing ourselves to heal properly. And so I encourage you, your audience, me, I encourage myself to continue to lean into that healing. I think we said it all at that point. Just give yourself permission to heal. Oh, yes. This is a beautiful spot for us to to wrap up. Although there is a part of me, this might be my ego wanting to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. What you just said about authenticity and that that really is like one of our goals. So recently at the time of this recording, I've been doing the wisdom of trauma, the movie and the workshop series with Dr. Gabor Mate. And in the movie, he says that as children, we have two needs for survival. One is attachment, someone to sit with us when our ice cream falls. Yes. (laughs) And two is authenticity because authenticity is our connection to ourselves and our own gut feelings, our own intuition. And we need all of that in order to be able to survive in this world. So I'm going to do a whole other episode really noodling on that. I mean, I feel like the way you put that just now, it's like that authenticity is our connection to true love, right? Unconditional love. We can't feel unconditionally loved if we're hiding who we are. If we know there's parts of us that you don't know, so you can't possibly love all of me because I haven't introduced you to all of me, then we don't have real connection to true love. And when we become our true selves, we can receive true love. That's what I hear you saying in that. And that, I don't know. I don't know if it was your ego or not. I felt like it was worth hearing. I I appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. And I again want to emphasize, and that is what the HEAL process and the HEAL practice does, is it helps you meet yourself more and more so you can share more and more of yourself with others so that you can be truly loved for who you are. Yes. Not only by God, because God loves us unconditionally, no matter what anyway, but also by the people in our lives. And it is truly my belief that when we have more of that in our world, we're not going to see the garbage that we see in our world, the junk, like on so many levels. (laughs) Absolutely. We'll start to see it birth in other people and other relationships. And we're building something new for our babies. Yes, we are. And Sharika, I feel like we can go on and on and on. And I'm noticing we are hitting the hour mark. I told you we get into a time warp here when we get into our medicine and the flow. And so our final question is, how can listeners connect with you? Where can they go to learn more about HEAL and your method and your work and the journal that you have coming out? Where can our listeners find you? You can definitely find me on Instagram at Well Ministries on Instagram. I do also have a private Facebook community that is open to our, my blog readers and Patreon listeners. But if you, the easiest way to find me is on Instagram and you kind of get your feet wet as the journal is coming out. So I'd love to connect with your listeners. Feel free to send me a DM and reach out at any time. Yes. And when y'all listen to this, be sure to screenshot it, tag me and Sharika, share it in your stories. Let it 
us know what you got from our conversation and invite others also into our worlds here, right? Because we are here for the healing of our planet so that we can leave a new legacy for our children and our children's children and way beyond them so that there's actually a world for them to live in so that we don't self-destruct. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you again, Sharika, so much. It was such a pleasure and such a gift having you here. Thank you for saying yes, and we will be connecting soon. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're welcome. I want to take a moment to honor and acknowledge the amazing support team that helps make this podcast possible for you. Starting with Diego Velasquez, our podcast editor and the talented artist who created our custom music. Ana Olvina, my wonderful assistant who creates all of our beautiful graphics and the transcript of every episode, which you can find over at www.fierceauthenticity.com. Biana Sandich, who writes our amazing show notes and does it so well that I bet you couldn't tell it wasn't me. The talented Jillian at Epoxy Studios, whose photography is our cover art and pretty much every other curated image that you see of me on social media. My husband, who puts up with me when it's 11.30 p.m. on a Sunday night and I'm like, hey babe, I gotta record a podcast episode. Like, right now. Is that okay? My higher power, whose divine wisdom flows through me to bring these messages to you. And last but not least, I want to thank you, my listener, so much for listening in. If you'd like to join the podcast support team, some ways you can do so are by rating and reviewing the podcast, sharing it with everyone you know, and if possible, making a financial contribution through the link in the show notes so that you too can be part of the team elevating this podcast and making it possible to bring to other listeners like you. I'm sending you so much love and we will be together again soon. 